0: Welcome to the Toast Talks podcast, where we sit down with some of the most interesting entrepreneurs and self-made business leaders in the Northwest and beyond to learn their paths to success, the challenges they faced, how they dealt with these, and what the future holds for them and their companies going forward. This week's guest is the absolute business legend, Kieran Kennedy, chairman of 21 Training, board member of InvestNA among many, many other roles. This one is honestly not to be missed for any aspiring entrepreneurs. Ciarán talks about his early years of growing up in Cyan Mills and then starting with O'Neill Sportswear at 16 when only 30, 30 people worked there. And going on to become managing director and growing it to the over 700 strong workforce and sportswear powerhouse that it is today. He also talks about how he finds opportunities in difficult times and how to deal with the ups and downs of business. What is clear from the outset is that even after four decades in business, his drive and ambition to improve his native Straban and the Northwest more broadly is still as present as ever. His emphasis on education for all is a key driver for our economy and economic prosperity and is at the core of Twenty One Training. So without further ado, let's get started. So Kieran, thanks very much for uh, joining the Tugs Talks podcast. Actually, should say for hosting the Toast Talk huh. podcast. So really, really uh, huh. thanks for setting everything up here. Very impressive. Um, it is a pleasure to sit down with such a, a high-caliber businessman, uh, business leader in the in the northwest. I think you're actually tapping on the business legend. I think uh, uh, you've, no. you've been so consistent over the years. <laughs> um, and I uh, will have so many questions for you. I'll try and mm-hmm. try and get through. Um, so before we get to your actual career overall, and the, the various decades that you've been around, um, you grew up in mm-hmm. Um What was it like at the at the early age? Were you a good student? We, you...
1: no, i be honest. It was you know a bit of a measure. Um, <laughs> myself and my twin brother Brendan went to Siamalls Primary School, um, and he was seen as the brainy one. So um, right. whenever we were doing eleven plus, uh, you know he was sitting in front of me, so he kind of helped me get over the line. So the two of us ended up then going to the Christian Brothers in Omah. And I left at uh, 16. I just didn't like school. And he yep. continued on with his career and went up to, um, you know, university in Belfast. So, you know, uh, I had a choice, um, you know, what I was going to do. And uh, I went for an interview in O'Neill's uh, for stock control clerk. I had yep. just turned 16. And um, I got the job, and when I found out what the wages was, it was 22 50 a week, um, I told my father, I said, there's no way I'm going go down there for that, sure, I can get £33 a fortnight on the dole, he says, you're going. So that was the start of it. Um, and then, you know, uh, I got married when I was about 24, and myself and my wife Linda were going to go to Australia, and we had the tickets and all booked, and, you know, the manager had left the um, O'Neill's at that stage, and they were looking for someone new, and To take over, and he asked um, the supervisor in the factory, you know, who could do it. There was only 30 people applied there. And they said, Oh, there's only one man who could do that. Uh, It's Kieran Kennedy, but he's going to Australia. So uh, Mr. O'Neill, whose father founded the company in 1918, um, you know, invited myself and London to Dublin, and he interviewed the two of us, actually. And I suppose the rest is history. And, you know, from day one, I made a promise that I would never refuse an order, I would never let a customer down. So, you know, um, you just delighted that I was able to grow uh, that company and uh, grow employment because I was fed up listening to the fact that, you know, Straban was the economic black spot of Western Europe at the time when I started unemployment in Straban was over 25%. So, you know, uh, from day one, as I say, um, just got the head down and, you know, worked with some great people and grew to 750 before I retired.
0: So you, you started. Eight years after you joined, you were mm-hmm. put onto the management role. Yeah, how tough was that?
1: That was tough enough because, in fairness, I was probably seen to be one of the biggest messers in the, <laughs> in the factory at the time. And you know, whenever the boss went out, like we didn't, it was down tools. We just had a bit of crack, you know. And, ah, but it was great. You know, I you know I had great respect from all the, the guys that worked in the factory, and they knew what we were trying to do, and we were trying to secure the future for them too as well. So, no, I wouldn't say it was tough, like you know. Um, I was just like poacher-turned-gamekeeper, but, you know, it, it had to be done, and uh, I'd worked out grand.
0: Did you ever? Have you ever heard of imposter syndrome? No. Right. <laughs> so it's where you're put into a position where you're kind of going, I'm not quite sure if I'm mm. capable of doing this yeah. or whatever. Did you have any of that? Being so young.
1: No, I was that. sure, hey, because from day one, whenever I joined the factory, my advice was always be, someday I'm going to be running this place. You know, yeah, from the, right from, from the first day I started, yeah, I said someday I'm going to run this place. Did
0: and, you know how right you were going to
1: be? Well, you
0: know,
1: <laughs> at the end of the day it wasn't really happening for me and that's why um, we were going to Australia. Right. And then the opportunity um, arose, so I just grabbed it with both hands and, um, you know, as I say, uh, 42 years later is wrong. So you
0: touched on it there, started as 30 employees, you grew oh. into over 750. Mm. Um, Whenever you look at that, you know, you became the lar- or you are is now the largest player in the Irish market. Um, and whenever you think about that, that's an incredible achievement, yeah. uh, in the sense that your competitors are added as like, yeah. big multinational companies. But c- can you talk us through maybe some of the difficulties that there were in, in that to, to try yeah. and you know, how did that happen, that you took it from that to, to that? Was it just gradual yeah, progression well, and increasing year on year? I suppose it
1: was. But, you know, we were always, you know, kind of under pressure and production. Um, you know, the demand was always greater than you know, what we could supply. So for us to keep up with the demand and, you know, don't forget sponsorship and GAA, you know, came in in the sort of early 80s and, you know, not both you know counties and clubs so that meant that that, you know as the clubs and counties were getting new sponsors they needed new gear so that all helped in terms of you know grow the demand so basically what we were doing uh you know all the time was growing the demand but for us it was about the close relationship that we would have with our customers and that was most most important for us and the fact that we were you know dealing direct we were going direct to um the customer um, you know sort of maybe cutting out the middleman, but you know to be competitive we had to go um, and, and work with the customers and i suppose the key for me as well was giving the customers what they want yeah. and if you can build that relationship with your customers i think it's very very important mm-hmm. and then you know the build the trust and you know we had good relationships with all the counties and no matter who came on board then afterwards um, you know they couldn't really compete with us because they wouldn't have that level of service. Yeah. They wouldn't have had, you know, what we were trying to do in terms of what we were doing is we were taking it from the very, very start. You know, you know, we didn't have anybody there in the middle of the actual production process. We were, you know, what was called vertically integrated in terms of, you know, we brought in yarn, we made the fabric ourselves, we dyed the fabric ourselves, we cut it, we printed it, we sewed it. So, you know, we had complete control over the supply chain because sometimes you'll find that, you know, if you're dependent on somebody else, <coughs> inevitably they're going to let you down at some stage. Well, so, some we, sure we, 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 we made sure that, you know, we had complete control of the supply chain.
0: <coughs> how, how, how difficult was that to get? Because if you look at, so you had supply chain management, you had the sales to look at, the financials, the HR. How did you manage to coordinate all of that? No,
1: well, you know, in fairness, like, you know, it's all about the team around you. You know, I had a very, very good team. Um, You know, the best of people. Very, very important to surround yourself with good people that you can work with and that you can trust. Yeah. And, you know, I I had no bother with that. I didn't have to worry, really, about the financials. I had a very good um, financial manager. I had very good HR staff. I had very good, you know, Um, And we recruited all them people up throughout the company um, because we knew they were good, you know, and whatever training they had to get, we made sure they were trained. So, you know, for us it was, you know, knowing that the people that could do the job and that you could trust and just to bring them along with you. And, you know, we were quite successful in doing that.
0: In in, in any business journey, there's always kind of quite difficult times. Mm -hmm. Um, And I spoke to somebody and kind of commented that he remembers the darker days probably more than the successful days. Mm-hmm. So the days when things were really really tough. Mm-hmm. Um, and how did how did you manage to or what sticks out for you during that time?
1: Well, I suppose they, you know there was a
0: couple it was of the them. troubles obviously. Pretty, yeah. time.
1: Yeah. But that never really affected us. You know, we just kept going, you know. Um, yeah. We just kept our head down and kept going. Um, you know, so the troubles didn't really have mm-hmm. that much effect. You know, we just got on with our lives. Um, you know, in terms of, you know, production, like we would have had a product that we would have would have been maybe, you know, 50% of our sales. And at one stage we were making that product at a loss. So we had to make a very serious uh, decision of what we we're going to do. Yeah. What we did is we were able to turn it around and look at it as an opportunity. So to stop making that product. But, you know, at that time we went on uh, to try and grow our online sales. So a lot of people that we had, you know, who were working uh, on machines and, you know, making this product. We transferred them into our online business and then we just grew our online business yep. so you know for me there was more than one way to skin a cat and you know i would rather look at opportunities and look at you know um difficulties in terms of uh, as they arrive and i suppose one of the, the key moments for me uh, in my career was uh, in the pandemic yep. i mean sports stopped our order book fell off the cliff really um and we were faced with a very, very difficult decision to have to close the factory. Um, you know, 750 staff. There was no furlough scheme uh, announced at that time. Um, you know, it actually was announced the day after we closed the factory. So we made a very difficult decision to um, close the factory. But, you know, I didn't. it didn't concern me that much because I knew we always would have a plan. Yeah. And I sat there that night on my own in the office. In fact, people were driving up and down the road and seeing me sitting there and saying, you know, it's keen all right? But I said, you know, here, what am we going to do? So I knew that, um, you know, the Western Health and Social Care Trust were looking for um, scrubs, you know, for the pandemic. And um, I said, well, why don't we try that? Yep. So the next day um, I made a phone call, um, got a sample organised, Brought the girls in on the Saturday morning to um, produce a counter sample. And by four o'clock at evening, I had my first order for um, 10,000 scrubs. And we ended up between the Western Health and Social Care Trust and other Trust in Northern Ireland and in the Republic of Ireland as well, um, you know, making over 100,000 sets of scrubs. Yeah. And we really again use that from our raw material. We really change and give the customer with a mother, you know, a much more comfortable um, garment than maybe they were wearing before. So, yeah. you know, the thing is not to panic. You know, to yeah. sit down and you know work it out and think. You know, there's always a better way. So, you know, and by that, you know, we closed the fire on the Thursday night, and by Wednesday, um, we had the girls in um, sewing the scrubs again, and that was all. You know, as a result of the work that we had done for many years before in terms of having a supply chain because anybody could have made scrubs at that stage but they wouldn't have had the fabric but we had the fabric and I was able to make a phone call on the Monday morning to our dye house in Dublin and say, right, I want whatever 10,000 metres of fabric dyed sky blue, for example and we were, had that fabric in Stravan on the Tuesday afternoon and we cut it on the Tuesday afternoon and we had it on the machines getting sewed on the Wednesday morning so... Again, that's all to do with the vertical integration and the you know years of planning how that went before.
0: So you've said before and you've kind of touched on every problem there's an opportunity. Yeah. Um, that's a kind of a quite a mindset to have and there's not a mm-hmm. lot of people can, can do that. Yeah. Maybe the most successful business leaders mm-hmm. tend, tend to have that, but you kind of tend to need it to have a myriad of other skills, so yeah. what would you think your biggest skill is? Is it the mindset, or is it... uh, but you know, it's just.
1: I suppose you know. It's, I suppose I'm. I'm driven. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I would never let anything beat me. Yeah. Um, i keep telling everybody I'm like a dog with a bone. You know, I mean I just won't let go. And you know, um, you just have to be. And I suppose that served me well in terms of you know. This, I think, it's my resilience. Yep. Um, and maybe thinking outside the box at times.
0: But how do how do how do you keep that energy and that motivation? Like you've been at this a long time, Mm. and and how do you keep? I don't
1: know. It's just it's just me. Um, I don't think I'll ever change. I'm probably as driven now as I ever was. Yeah. Um. You know. So look, either you're born with it or not. And uh, you know, I would have probably got that from my mother because she was driven. She could have turned her hand at anything, and she was you know uh, a great mindset in terms of you know working and uh, whatever. So. You know, if you have it, you have it, you know what I mean? But I know not a lot of people have it, but you try and instill that on the others as well.
0: Well, just just on that, so last year you decided to step down from an end. Mm-hmm. Uh, 42, years, mm-hmm. 42 years in, hard, in charge. How, how hard was that decision?
1: I suppose I had never really thought about it uh, much before. And then, you know, when I did think about it, though, Actually, uh, you know, as you know, I'm involved in a lot lot of things as well. And I suppose it was just trying to get that balance. So when I made the decision, um, I actually decided that I wouldn't retire until um, 23. I'll be 60 in May 23. And then when I got the notion about retiring then, you know, I said, my God, um, maybe I'll do it at Christmas, uh, this Christmas. And then... You know, once I had the notion in my head then, again, being driven and looking at other uh, things, I said, no, well, I'll, I'll do it in June. So I retired in June and, um, you know, I, I was just wanted to spend more time um, with uh, my family, um, you know, and do things and try and work on this um, other business that I have been involved in for over 30 years with, um, you know, the training sector uh, yeah. in Stravan, So
0: And that, so you, after, you could have called it a day and, mm. and sort of retired and, yeah. but as you say, you're driven and, you, know, you probably couldn't sit and, you know, if you took a year off, you'd probably no. find yourself. No, not you know, able to sit
1: well. <laughs> you know, even if I have a day off, like, you know, I, I struggle in terms of, you know, um, I always have to be doing something, you know, and I like doing something. Well, she's lady because she never sees me. But, you know, no, you know, you just have to keep going, you know. And, I, you know, I couldn't settle about the house. That was never the plan. So I would never retire from my ladies unless I had, you know, some other interests. And, you know, as, you know, obviously, you know, with being on the Board of Invest and I and the of Staban Bid and chair of about 21 training services, you know, I
0: have plenty to keep me busy and, you know, that's just the way I like it. The Toast Talks podcast is produced in partnership with Toast, who provide totally online accountancy services and taxation, hence the name Toast. Toast provide a broad range of accountancy and taxation services to sole traders, startups, growth companies, as well as long-established large businesses. Toast can cover all your needs, such as self-assessment, annual accounts, payroll, VAT, and much more. Visit their website, toast.tax, or any of their social media channels to book a free consultation. So, you seem to, so you are chosen to continue in 21 training, obviously, uh, alongside some of your other businesses or your ventures, but you do seem to place a particular emphasis emphasis on continued learning. So you've, mm. you've gone to Queen's and got strategic leadership. Mm. Um, you've done another notable business school in Barcelona in, in recent years. How important do you think it is, um, you know, that to always learn an aspect mm. of it? Because so, you haven't really stopped at any stage. You've always continued.
1: To well, learn. I suppose, you know, um, I've been involved with the board of demand um, Training Services, you know, for probably 30 years. Um And, you know, again, my objective was always to try and grow employment in Stravan. And, you know, that was a good way of trying to work with that and understand. And then we took over another training company um, last year, uh, Customised Training Services, and and formed 21 Training. So, you know, I've been involved in the setup of that. And we now have, you know, over almost 70 staff employed, um, over 650 apprentices and 150 young people on the Skills for Work and Life programme. So that kind of drives me and enjoy uh, working in that sphere. Um, in terms of, um, I didn't really do the education part uh, of my career until later on because. I kept saying, you know, I don't have the time. I don't have the time to do that. But I suppose I realised at one stage that you need to make the time. So I did a, a critical leadership programme in Queen's and that was very, very good. Um, I also um, did the leadership for growth programme Um, which was funded by Enterprise Ireland on Invest NI, and that was where 40 CEOs from Ireland uh, went for a week to Barcelona, a week to uh, New York, and a week uh, back in Barcelona again um, with the top business school in the world, uh, um, IESE, who, you know were just absolutely top of their game in terms of, you know, the people that they brought in to uh, help us and whatever. And the output of that was like a strategic plan. So, you know, that was a great learning experience. And, um, you know, we met some good people there too, uh, uh, for you know, to build your, your network as well. So, you know, I didn't come to it too late. Uh, probably in hindsight, uh, you know, my advice would be do it earlier in your career. You need to make time. But I mean, I was just so busy. I just couldn't, you know, I couldn't see myself taking a couple of days out to go to, you know, these programs and queens and all. But look, I would, um, you know, these skills, they, they, they learn you some really, really important things about, you know, how you build a team, you know, that everybody can't be like you. I mean, if you expect everybody to be like you, it would end up, you know, disaster. And sometimes you have to, you know, sit back and understand that, you know, because you've got to manage your expectations in that regard. So if you can get people who have different skill sets, you know what I mean, it's very, very important. You know, if you have somebody in finance and somebody is good at HR, you know, somebody, um, you know, with, you know, um, different types of skills or whatever. Yeah. That, you know, you need to surround yourself with them, people because you can't do it all yourself, first of yeah. all. And secondly, you don't have that skill set either. You know, you, you have a certain skill set and you can't be good at everything. Yeah. You know, so for me, that's where um, the learning uh, come into it and, you know, I continue to try and uh, develop. But, you know, if I do have any regrets, it was that I didn't do that earlier. Yeah. Do,
0: you, do you see uh, kind of education and training, for Straban for, for in particular mm-hmm. as, a, as a key motivator to, to lift without a doubt you know
1: what I mean you know um, obviously as my role uh, in the Board of I, you know, we're trying to grow the local economy um, to grow the local economy we need to you know, have the people with the right skills. I mean, for example, if you look at, you know, foreign direct investors, they'll come where the you know, the skills are, or as the man says, they fish with the fish are. So it's very, very important that we get the balance right, you know what I mean? Well that's why it's most important that we try and grow, you know, McGee University and Derry and give the young people who are leaving school or going to college, you know, the right skills um to you know, further their careers and the right skills that these foreign direct investors are uh, looking for, you know, at the minute it's all, you know, FinTech and RegTech and all that kind of stuff. So it's important that we skill these young people up, you know, so that these foreign directors come out and say, wow, we'll go to the northwest because, you know, the quality of life and all the good things, but because we have a skill set there that we can go and pick up and, you know, give, I suppose, the young people uh, a decent future.
0: Are you optimistic about the future for the northwest?
1: I'm very optimistic. Yeah, um, you know, I do think that we're only just starting. Yes. Um, a lot of good things happening there. You know, there's a lot of building works going on in the area. It's good to see cranes there. Um, the university are doing a fantastic job. The new medical school. I really just think we're only starting to begin. You know, I mean we have been so far behind for so long, but this time now, I think our time has come now that we can really start putting. Um, you know, our foot to the board and, and trying to grow this economy, you know, with the new city deals um, that are coming and, you know, all 250 million investment plan for there, for Derry and Strabane as well. Uh, I think there's great opportunities for, especially for our youth, um, you know, and, and, you know, again, to secure their future. Yeah.
0: And just if we if we touch on so the, the, the purpose of the toast talks podcast I suppose is to focus on positive stories in the northwest and things like that and that's obviously why, why we're speaking about twenty one training and, and the opportunities that they're providing and things like that but um, if you we also I suppose want to inspire the next generation of mm-hmm. entrepreneurs you've touched on the young people and and this you know building their skills so that they are equipped mm-hmm. to to kind of continue on and do things yeah. like that. What would your advice be to somebody starting out in their journey? Would it be education? Would it be kind of just you need to build your resilience? Would it be
1: You education?
0: know, what? I think, you know, it's very, very
1: difficult for young people, you know, at 15 or 16 years of age. Actually, I'm going to meet a group of uh, young people tomorrow uh, in Sayon Mills. I've been asked to uh, talk to them about leadership and stuff. And, you know, my advice to them really will be, look, I know it's difficult, but you need to, you know, you can't go nowhere without a plan. You know, P.V. O'Neill, you know, from O'Neill's, obviously to I me, mean, you, can, you can't go nowhere without a plan. And that's one of my biggest, you know, sayings. And, you know, think early on. You know, <clears throat> university is not for everybody. You know, there's all the routes that people can go. But if you can try to think about it and make your mind up early, um, you know, and set your goals and objectives, you'll find that, you know, you can reach them. You know, from day one, you know, when I started um, as managing director and I was thinking, you know, I made myself a promise, as I said earlier. Never refuse an order. Never do it. Set yourself goals. You know, set yourself objectives. And, you know, if you work hard at them and you believe enough in them, you will reach them. Yeah. Absolutely no doubt. Anybody can do it, uh, you know. But you have to, you know, have a good work ethic, you know, in first in the morning, be out last at night, you know, and that's how you do it, and that's how you impress your employers as well, yeah. you know. It's good old fashioned hard work, exactly. Well, <laughs> there's, there's, there's no answer to that.
0: Um, just to, to touch on, on kind of um, back back on our knees, but also training with 21 Training. So, you you've, you grew that business very, very uh, successfully, and with 21 Training, you obviously touched on it, it's expanding, mm. it's hiring yeah. more staff and, and things like that. How carefully would you watch the numbers side of it, so either the financials or kind of the the strategic direction? So how how do you keep yourself up to date on what's, what's happening with the business?
1: Well, obviously, the numbers are very, very important. And again, you know, I have a good team around me. Um... We have a board. We actually meet on a weekly basis and go through all the numbers to see where we are. Um, Because, you know, if you don't have the right information, you can't make the right decisions. So, you know, we look at the numbers. We try to grow the business. You know, this time, two years ago, we only had 20 staff. Now we have, you know, almost 70. And, you know, we have to keep looking at the numbers. So, you know, um, again, a good team around us, um, a good team of managers uh, below board level as well who report to us. And, you know, we just... Talk, you know, during the week, you know, even if we're not on the boardroom, we just talk. How's that going? You know, um, how many apprentices have we signed up today? Or, you know, what's the numbers looking like? Or whatever. So, you know, it's, you know, we're, I let the financial side um, to the pe- people who have that skill set, and then they report uh, on a weekly basis. And you know, it's very, very important that you can you know keep your eye on it because you know a lot of decisions can be made, and a lot of companies you know who don't look at the financials until it's too late, um, you know, can get under bother. So we we look at it on, <laughs> on a weekly basis, if not a daily basis. Yeah. The numbers are very, very important for us.
0: Yeah. And just finally, I could go on have loads more questions, but just finally, five or ten years' time from now, you look back on, on the North West or Darren's mm-hmm. fam, what would you hope has happened, so what, what do you see should happen in the next five or ten years? Well, I would like
1: to see, um, obviously, you know, um, full employment, um, I would like to see you know, foreign direct investment here, um, higher paid jobs. Um, for all of our society, um, you know, trying to get the economically inactive, and they work trying to lower that figure because we, we have in this area, you know, I suppose it's a bit like going back to when Strauban was on, a Parliament Black part of Europe, we're probably the highest economically inactive um, people in our society to try and get them back. And, you know, just have Big names. So hopefully, by that stage, there'll be a lot of uh, the study deal will be in place. You know, we'll have the new um, health hub, sports hub, um, northwest regional college based in the canal basin in Shaban and all the other um, study deal projects uh, have for you in, in Derry and you know I'm a very very vibrant society that you know is working together for the same objectives you know it's like um, you'll always hear me saying you can't go curl like Hela and every saying you know unity is strength if we can work together um, for the same objectives that's what it's all about so you know society is a but divided at the moment. It's getting better. I'd also likely see an increase in integrated education as well, because I think that's a key going forward. And that's the background that I'm from, uh, from Cyan Mills. And I think that could make a massive difference to um, society.
0: Listen, yeah. no, I really appreciate your time. For no well, so I'll let you go. Thanks very much.